All right, let's pull out our Bibles. Pull out your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Um, not just this morning, but for the next five weeks here at Flourishing Grace, we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we are uh, going to continue in this series called The Gifts of the Spirit, unpacking uh, this idea. This might be new for some of you. It might be a little weird or strange for some of you. Um, but my hope is that as we move through this, that this would become something that uh, you're passionate about and something that is normal for you and, and something that doesn't weird you out, but something that you're excited about. Um, and so we're going to continue in this this morning. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, if you brought your own Bible, you can flip it to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll see the Gospels there. Acts, Romans, then First Corinthians. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, there's a blue one. It's on page 1067. Uh, in, in those Bibles. And so we're going to, this morning, we're going to ask the question, we're going to answer the question, what are the gifts? Who are they for? And how do we access them? Uh, if you were here last week, you remember we asked, who is the Spirit and what does He do? This morning, we're going to ask, what are the gifts? Who are they for? And how do we access them? Here at Flourishing Grace, we believe that this is the Word of God. It holds authority over all of our lives, that everything in us must submit to His Word in our lives. And so in reverence to it, if you're able, would you stand with me as I read it for us this morning? Our text for this morning is verse 4 through 7, but I'm going to back up. I'm going to read in verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1, 1 Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, this is our text for today. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Last week we talked about the importance of intimacy with the Spirit. Intimacy is the key to access. Intimacy is the key to experience. If we do not have an intimate relationship with the Spirit, we will never experience the gifts. We'll never experience the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And I say this again. If you were not here last week, I would, I would encourage you to go online and listen to last week's sermon. Because if you, if you choose to pursue the gifts without pursuing intimacy with the Spirit, you will be extremely frustrated. You'd be extremely frustrated, right? Uh, I have a little boy at home. His name's Winston. I have two little boys, but my oldest is Winston. He's five years old. And just this uh, past week, uh, or again, last week, Winston was uh, building Legos downstairs in the basement. He's got a little table. He's got his Legos laid out. And he, is, he was trying to build this truck. And he was following the instructions as best as a five-year-old can follow them. He's doing a great job, actually. Um, and he gets to, gets to the end, and he has something that looks something like a truck, but there is a ton of leftover pieces. And he's frustrated. He's like, I don't understand. Like, what, what did I do wrong? What's, what's going on here? I, I can't figure out 
Like it looks like a truck. I like it. It's cool, but it's not what it's supposed to be. And so Winston calls me. He says, Dad, can you come down and, and help me with my Legos? And I come down and I realize we have to like flip back to like page three. We have to basically start all over and take carefully take each piece apart, which was even more painful for him. It's even more painful. He's like, no, I worked so hard on this. I'm like, buddy, I, trust me, I promise. By the time we're done, like it's gonna, you're going to like it more. It's going to be what you want it to be. So we have to take the whole thing apart piece by piece and kind of help him reassemble it in the right order, right? When we try to, if you try to pursue the gifts without intimacy with the Spirit, right? Winston and I have an intimate relationship. He knows that Dad loves to come downstairs and help him, loves to come downstairs and build Legos with him. He, he knows this. He has no problem saying, Dad, I need your help in this. I've tried and I've failed. I need you to come and restore. I need you to come and rebuild. I need you to come and help me do the work in my life. To pursue the gifts or to pursue, uh, last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, to pursue those things without intimacy with the Spirit will be a frustrating thing for you, right? You may follow the instructions. You may, you may read your Bible and do all the things the way that you think you're supposed to do it, but without an intimate relationship with the Spirit of God, everything that we're about to talk about this morning and for the next five weeks will be frustrating for you. And so I want to say that at the beginning of this before we dive in. If you didn't listen to last week's sermon, go back online, listen to that. Pursue intimacy with the Spirit in order, in order to actually experience everything that we're about to talk about. First, what are the gifts? What are the gifts of the Spirit? Well, we see um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4, 5, and 6, uh, Paul uses different language to, to explain the same thing. He says there are varieties of gifts, right, but the same Spirit. Varieties of activities, but the same Lord. Varieties of service, sorry, varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them in all of us, okay? Um, so we see gifts, services, and activities. We see these three different things, these three languages, all describing the same thing. They're all describing the gifts of the Spirit. They're all describing spiritual gifts, whatever language you want to put around that. But they are they're services and activities, Activities, something that you do, right? It's something that's, that is done, right? It's not something that you just have. It's an activity. It's, it's, it's a motion. There's something happening, right? Um, so the, the gifts are an activity. It's, it's something that's coming out. It's, it's a work that's being done. And then it's service. It's a helpful thing. It's helpful for, for other people. The gifts of the Spirit are services. They, they help other people in some way, shape, or form. And we're going to see that as we begin to dive into this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are nine gifts listed, nine gifts. And over the next five weeks, we're going to unpack those nine gifts. But there's more than that. There's more than that in the Bible. And there, there might be, I would say, um, I might get in trouble for this, but I would say there, there might be more that aren't listed in the Word of God, right? But we know there's more than that in, in the Word. We see gifts listed in uh, Romans 12. We see gifts listed in Ephesians 4. Uh, these gifts are listed in the Word in other places in 1 Corinthians as well. Here are some of them. We see the gift of evangelism, a supernatural ability to share the gospel, prophecy, teaching, Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, right? To be given a word of knowledge, and there's no way, there's no possible way that you could have known that information, but God has given it to you. He has empowered you with it, right? So 
an example. Um, Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, uh, once, uh, while preaching a sermon, pointed at a young man in the audience and said, you've stolen a pair of gloves from your employer. No way he could have known that. Just, just a random preacher. Didn't know the guy. The guy had never been in the church before. He'd never stepped foot in it before. It was the first time ever that he'd ever been there. And in, in a moment, in an instant, all of his, his sin was laid to bear right there. Spurgeon was given a word, an information, a knowledge that, that he could not have possibly known in any other way other than God gave that word to him. Word of knowledge. Faith. Miracles. Healing. Distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, helps, services, administration, encouragement, giving, leadership, mercy. These are some of the gifts that we see uh, throughout Scripture. Now, as I said, there might, be, there might be more than that. There's two, maybe three different camps that people kind of land in when we approach the gifts, okay? Three different camps, right? One um, is what we call cessationist. Okay? Uh, these, are, these are good, right, God-fearing people who love Jesus, who love the Word of God. And they would argue, they would make the case, that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. They've ceased. They, they no longer exist. They did exist at one point. They would say, yes, for sure. They're, they're here in the Word of God, but they no longer exist. These gifts existed. The, 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 the kind of the predominant argument amongst this camp is that, that the gifts existed to establish the early church, to give authority, to give power, to, to give uh, kind, kind of this, um, this status to the early church so that the people would see and say, man, man they, they just healed this guy. Clearly what they're saying about Jesus is true. They just spoke a word of knowledge that they could not have known any other way. Clearly what they're saying about Jesus too. So they were given to establish a church. And now that the church has been established, now that we have the word of God, we no longer need the gifts because we have the word and the church has been established. We have the instruction manual. We no longer need dad to come downstairs and help us. Okay? We have what we need. So the gifts have ceased. Another camp would be continuationist. Right? Continuationists would say, no, no, no. The gifts continue today. They continue. Um, they would say there's nothing in the Word of God that says that they cease, right? So you have the, the instruction manual. And you say, well, we got this so we don't need it anymore. But the, the manual doesn't say that. The manual says that they were given and that they're given to all. And so, so they, they're clearly here today. They continue today, right? Some, some who would say they've ceased would say not all of them have ceased, but some have ceased. And the more miraculous, healing and tongues and word of knowledge, th those types of gifts have ceased, Right? And, and, uh, but the others, like teaching and leadership, the ones that we can see and tangible, um, those are still here with us today. The third camp that I would argue exists is the people would say, what's a spiritual gift? Right? Which might be some of us in the room. It's like, wait, what, what are we talking about again? Uh, the, the camp of people who have just never really given it much thought. And they're like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's in the Bible, but I've never really thought about does it exist today or not. It sounds weird. I'm not sure, right? I would say that's the third camp. And some of us in the room might be in that camp. I would say that in this room, right, without beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are people who exist in kind of all three of those. Um, in, in our leadership here at Flourishing Grace, our lead shepherds and myself, as we've been wrestling through this, as we've been preparing to preach on this, man, we lean towards the continuationist camp. 
we would say, no, 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 the gifts do exist today. They, they do exist. They, they are available here today. The gifts of the Spirit are available today. Um, we would say that, well, the fact that the Word of God doesn't teach us that they've ceased, and so we're not going to believe that. But then also, just because we haven't experienced one of them doesn't mean that they don't exist, right? The reality is we have experienced some of them. We've experienced some of those gifts in our, in our lives. And so we'd say, yeah, they, they do exist. They do exist. Where do they come from and what are they? What are these gifts? What are they actually, right? Not, not what are they individually, but what are they as a whole? What are the gifts? Well, uh, Paul actually tells us here in those same three verses, verses 4, 5, and 6, right? There are varieties of gifts, but the same what? Spirit, yeah. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord, right? Uh, there's varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all, right? So we see Spirit, Lord, and God, right? We've got varieties of these things. There's different gifts, but there's the same God who empowers them all. The same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. He's describing one, one person, one God, who empowers them all. In verse 7, he says, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. What the gifts are, what they all are, every gift is a manifestation of God. It is God showing up moving through the follower of Jesus to give a gift, to give a gift to someone else. It is God himself. God himself is the gift. God is doing the work. He is showing up. He is the work. This is hard for us to understand because there's nothing in our world, there's nothing in our realm that, that is the same as this. Sam Storms, who is a pastor in Oklahoma City, in his book, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gifts, writes it this way. He says, spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. They're not some tangible stuff or substance separable from God. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us, energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, infusing power in our wills, and working his sovereign and gracious purposes through us. Spiritual gifts must never be viewed deistically as if God out there has sent something down, sorry, something down, sorry, oh man, has sent something to us down here. Speaking in tongues. Spiritual gifts are, just kidding, spiritual gifts are, are God present in, with, and through human thoughts, human deeds, human words, human love. The gifts are a manifestation of God himself. They're not separate from him. It's not like God is giving us this thing. He's like, okay, this is yours now. Now you go use it or do it or whatever it is. Right? It's God himself, right? It's God himself kind of saying, here I am. Here is me in my fullness, my grace, my mercy being given through you to someone else. Right? There's nothing, I, I spent way too much time this week trying to think of, a, of an illustration that would work for this. And it just doesn't exist. There's just nothing. I, I thought and I thought and I thought and I thought of different examples. It's not like anything. It's not like me coming downstairs to help Winston, right? It's, it's God showing up through, and, um, right? So, so it's, it's 
we are doing this work, but God is the one showing up and doing it through us, right? But it's also not like a robot. It's not, it's not like a puppet, right? Our, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are in subject to our spirit. We're not, we're not forced to do this. We don't have to do it, right? It, so it's, it's unlike anything else, which I think is kind of the point. It's God. It's supernatural. There is a supernatural element of our faith. The same power that raised Jesus from the cross is in us because he has taken up residence in us. The Spirit of Christ lives within us. And and when he he acts, it is a supernatural work, which is logical. And yet when we think about it, we're like, ah, that seems weird. Because it is. It's supernatural. There's no other way to describe it. I think it's important to note, before we move any farther, that this is true of all of the gifts. So even for the cessationists who would say, um, yes, some of the gifts still exist, the gift of leadership and administration and helps and evangelism and teaching, right? Those gifts still exist, but the more, quote-unquote, miraculous gifts, those don't, right? Healing and prophecy and word of knowledge. No, 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 no. They're all miraculous, they're all equally miraculous because they're all God showing up through us to produce something that we could not produce on our own, right? The gift of teaching, which is what's something you're experiencing right now. If you knew me in high school, my friends who have known me my whole life are like, you do what? No way. And it's true, right? If you put me on a stage and you said, Josh, I want you to teach on politics, it would not go well. It wouldn't go well. Josh, I want you to teach on this disease, I could, do, I could spend hours and hours and hours researching it and thinking of it, and it just, it just wouldn't go well, right? The, the Spirit of God manifests Himself in my life in such a way to illuminate the Word for others. It is not something, it is not something that I do well on my own. It's something that He does through me. It's just as miraculous as someone being healed, Someone who has the gift of leadership or administration, is, it is God moving through them to do something that they could not have possibly done on their own. All of the gifts are God manifesting himself through us. It's God showing himself through us. Who has access to these gifts? Who are they for? Like who, 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 can, who has them? Who has access to them? Well, verses 6 and 7, right? Um, the end of verse 6 is everyone. And then verse 7 says, To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit. To, to each. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, right? And Paul is saying every follower of Jesus has these gifts. Every follower of Jesus has access to these gifts. And we would say that every follower of Jesus has been given a gift has a gift of the Spirit, has a supernatural ability, right? God manifesting himself through them for the good of others, right? This is in every follower of Jesus, every single follower of Jesus. If you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus, you've you've submitted your life fully to him, you're a true follower of Jesus, man, this is in you. You You have this. You have this. A few misconceptions, though. Some of us have been taught that in some way, shape, or form, like, this is my gift, right? Uh, this is why I'm not big on uh, spiritual gifts assessments, um, because gifts are not permanent things. They're not permanent things, right? When you come, become a follower of Jesus, you're not given this gift, and it's just like yours forever to do whatever you want with, kind of whenever, whenever you want. The Spirit is in control of Himself, okay? 
it, he, he chooses when he's going to manifest himself and when he's not going to manifest himself. Um, these gifts are not permanent things. They're not permanent. Now, there are some that would appear to be more residential or more permanent than others, right? So, the gift of teaching, right, which is something that I experience on a regular basis. When I'm sitting here on Sunday morning, I'm not worried. I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, is the Spirit going to like show up and, and teach me or not? I don't, I don't know. I don't worry that, right? It's, it's just more residential than, than others, right? Gifts like healing, right? If people could walk around just healing at will, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. It, it is a gift that comes and goes. It's a gift that comes and goes. I've had three experiences in my life, two for sure, where I have prayed for someone who, is, who has been, a doctor has said, this is not, this is not fixable. This is, this is not going to be fixed in your life. And through prayer, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Spirit has showed up and healed them. Now friends, if I was playing baseball, my batting average would not be good enough for Little League, Okay. <laughs> Do I have the gift of healing? I, no. No, no. But in that moment, in that moment, was that gift manifested through me? I, I would argue, yes, it was. I have no, there's no other explanation that I have for it. I certainly didn't do it, right? So God must have done it through me. And, and I would say it was actually done through. Like, I know I was there, I experienced it, and they're healed, Okay. Now, listen, I'm not bragging. I'm saying that's like three out of like hundreds. I've prayed for hundreds of people to be healed. And, and listen, three, okay? So don't, don't come to me and say, oh, yes, Josh has got the miracle cure. I, I just don't. I just don't. But there are other people who I know who have had far greater success and, and have just like a far greater ability. And may, maybe it's because I just neglect that gift, which I, I would argue that I probably do. The gifts are not permanent. They're not permanent. No one gift is evidence of salvation. Um, there are some people in the continuationist camp that would say, if you don't have this gift, then you're not saved. That is just not true. There's nowhere in the Bible does it communicate that. In fact, it communicates the opposite. The gift is tongues, right? So some people say, I mean, if you can't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Listen, uh, I love Jesus more than anything in this world. He's my greatest treasure, my greatest delight, my greatest joy. I'm pretty sure I'm saved, but I've never spoken in tongues. Okay? Um, I, I'm, it's, just, it's just not true. That's not true. You can have more than one. You can have more than one gift, right? Again, spiritual gifts assessment. You can go online, you can like fill out a form, and you can say, what's my gift? And it like pops up, it's like, this is your gift. Like an atheist can go online and fill that out, and it pops up, it's like, this is your gift. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not, right? The reason, the thing, the reason I'm, not, I'm not big on those assessments is because you, you can have more than one, right? It pops up, they get one or two. You, you could have five, eight, ten. You can have more than one, right? I, I've known people who've just cultivated this deep intimacy with the Spirit, and it just seems like constantly gifts are being given through them uh, more so than I've ever experienced in, in my, my life, for sure. For sure. You can have more than one gift. It's not just you get one and that's yours forever. They're not permanent, and you can have more than one. Who are they for? Who are the gifts for? Again, the text tells us, verse 7, right? Uh, they're for the common good. To each has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. They're for others. The gifts are for others. All of them are for others. Every gift is for 
other people. This is, this is a big one for us, I think. We, we miss this, right, because we even use the language. I've used it this morning, right? I have the gift of teaching, right? It's my, my gift. Well, it's not, though, right? That's the language we use, but it's your gift, like, you're, you're the one receiving it, right? The Word of God is being illuminated for you, right? That's, it's your gift is just being given through me. And they're, they're all this way. It makes sense, right? If you think about if someone's healed, right? If you pray for someone and they are healed of an incurable disease, who is the gift for? Is it for you? No, it's for the person who's been healed and for their family, for their loved one. It's for them, right? All, all of the gifts are that way. All, all of them exist for that, right? Even... Even, even that word of knowledge, right? I talked earlier about Spurgeon and saying, man, you stole a pair of gloves. Who is that for? It's for the guy who stole the gloves so that he might be brought to the end of himself and be, be crushed by the weight and the magnitude of the glory and the perfection of God, that he might know that God knows all things and sees all things, that he might be convicted of a sin, confess and repent of that sin, be restored to a right relationship with God and with his employer. It's for him. All of the gifts exist for others. The gifts are a manifestation of the grace of God and the lives of those who receive them. It's God extending grace to others. And every gift is for the edification of the church or the salvation of someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. Every gift is for the edification, for the building up of, the encouraging, the convicting of sin, um, the, the, the bringing together, the uniting of the church or for those who are outside of the church who don't know Jesus yet, right? So they might see the wonder and the beauty and the awe and the majesty of God and come and submit their lives to Christ. For the church, everything we are called to, everything the Word of God calls us to internally, everything the Word of God calls us to, to, to be a, a united body of Christ, submitting our lives fully to Him, fighting against our sin, living pure and holy lives, encouraging and building up one, and other, uh, one another. Everything we're called to within the church and everything we're called to with outside of the church, to, to, to go there for, to, to, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Listen, everything we are called to hinges on the gifts. Everything we're called to, Right? We hear the Great Commission. We say, all right, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go to Africa. I'm going to go to India. I'm going I'm I'm to do this. I'm going to share my faith with my neighbors. I'm going to do this. We forget the bookends, right? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. We turn our back on the one who's been given all authority in heaven and earth. We say, I'm going to do this, right? And then at the end, he says, and lo, I'll be with you always until the very ends of the age. The one who holds all authority wants to be with us as he sends us out. He wants to be doing the work in us and through us. He wants to be producing the results. He wants to be the one manifesting himself in our lives to bestow grace upon those who we engage with outside of the church and within. He wants to be building the church. He wants to be equipping. He wants to be giving himself as an act of grace to those who are sitting around you right now this morning. And he wants to do this through the gifts of the Spirit, the primary means in which God is going to do this work is through the gifts. So how do we get them? How do we access them? Or maybe a greater question is, why don't we have them? Why don't we see them? Some of you might be asking that. Okay, all right, okay, okay. Where are they? Well, 
I said at the beginning of this, and I said last week, right, without intimacy, this is all frustrating. Without an intimate relationship with the Spirit, this is nothing but frustration. You will not experience it. You will not see it, right? But when we have an intimate relationship with, with the Spirit, when we're walking with Him, as Paul says, being led by Him, moment by moment throughout our day, we're walking with the Spirit, submitting our lives to His promptings, moment by moment. He produces these in us. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 1, this is an important verse that you should know, you should, you should memorize, right? Paul says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. Now we're going to get to that big weighty boulder at the end of this. We're going to talk about prophecy in three weeks from now. We'll talk about that, okay? But I want you to hear this, right? Pursue love. So 1 Corinthians 13 ends with faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. In 14 verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire the gifts. Earnestly desire them. It seems so simple, but the way that we see these gifts being produced through us is by asking the one who longs to produce them in us. By drawing near to him, by having an intimate relationship with him and saying, would you come and would you help? Would you produce these gifts in my life? Would you manifest your grace for the sake of my brothers and sisters? For the sake of my friends who don't know you? For my neighbors and coworkers who don't know you, would you produce your grace through me so that they might see you and glorify you? We access them by seeking them, by earnestly desiring them. This is not a, this is not a request or a suggestion. Hey, if you feel like it, you know, maybe you should think about the gifts of the Spirit. No, no, this is Paul saying, listen, church, church, this is a command earnestly desire the gifts, or earnestly desire them. This is a command for your life. Now, some of you might say, okay, but then where are they? Well, they do. We do see them. We do see them. I think there's a, there's a myriad of reasons why maybe you haven't. I'm going to give you four. There's probably a hundred. I'm going to give you four, okay? Number one is that we neglect the Spirit. I've said it all along, right? Without intimacy in the, with the Spirit, you, this is going to be frustrating for you. Right? So, so many of us have never actually had a relationship with the Spirit of God. A moment-by-moment moment dependency on and sensitivity to Him in our lives. Walking with Him, engaging with Him, being led by Him, living by Him. We've never experienced that. So we've never experienced the gifts. Without intimacy, there will be no experience. There will be no access. Be honest with yourself. Do you passionately, incessantly pray for these gifts? Are you earnestly desiring them? Then you're not going to experience them. Number two, we neglect the church in which the gifts are for. Right now in the United States, the stat that's kind of flying around is this. The average churchgoer goes to church once a month. Once a month. So we believe in some way we think, man, God is going to give me a gift for the church when I don't even know the church. I, if you neglect the gathering, right, you neglect the, the people who are of the church, you're neglecting the gifts as well. 
Right? Don't assume, don't, don't think, okay, well, it's in, it's in the Bible, so therefore it's going to be true of me. No, no, no. If you're neglecting, if, you, if you're living in disobedience to the Word of God, we're not going to see the manifestation of the gifts. Which brings me to the, the next one, verse number three. We're me-focused, right? And we know this in our culture, in our day, there's, there's never been such a self-centered culture where everything is about me and my platform and, and my hopes and my dreams and what I need to get done and, and, what I, and how, how am I going to get it done now, right? If the gifts are others-focused, they're for the common good, they're for the good of the church, for the good of those who don't know Jesus, now, do we receive joy and delight and encouragement from the gifts when they're produced through us? Absolutely we do, but that's not the primary purpose. They're not for us. They're for others. But in our lives, everything's got to be for me. Everything has to be for me. And so we don't experience something that is for others. C.M. Storm says this. He says, obedience must matter more to you than success or your image. That's just, not, that's just not true of us, if we're, if we're honest. More often than not, I'm afraid. What is somebody going to think of? What's some, what's somebody, somebody's going to be weirded out by this. Somebody's not going to, like, if, if God actually heals this person, if God, if, if I actually spoke this word of knowledge that he gave to me, right, it would just be, I would just be weird. I don't, I don't want to do that. Obedience must matter more to you than success or your image. Lastly, number four, we can't get quiet this is true of all of us. There's never been a people in the history of the world that move as fast and as loud as we do. It's never existed. There's never been a people who, who live with such noise. From the moment we wake up, like, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? All right, there's this noise. I need noise. Like, I need the talking. Okay, now let's get my kids up, and they're going crazy, and I'm shoving food in their mouth just to try to get them to stop talking, right? I'm going to get them to school, and then, and then I got to get to work. But on the way to work, I'm playing music, or I'm listening to my podcast. At all hours of the day, I'm plugged in. The only time it's quiet is when I'm sleeping. And you want to hear a word of knowledge? We're moving too fast. No one has ever worked as many hours as we have worked. No one has ever moved at this pace that we moved. No one's ever been plugged in the way we're plugged in. We can't hear. We can't listen. We can't slow down and develop intimacy. And so we're being robbed of the gifts that God has for us. Friends, I believe that we are called in the Word of God to earnestly desire the gifts. Whatever, whatever position you may hold, okay? Whether you would hold, okay, some, I don't believe in some of these gifts. It's fine. Do you earnestly desire the rest? Can, can you say this morning, and I, I'm passionate about intimacy with the Spirit and earnestly desiring whatever gifts He may have for my life. What if, what if God wants to heal somebody in your life in a supernatural way, but he hasn't because he wants to do it through you, and you've neglected that? What if he wants to lead a revival in your day, in your time, through you, but he hasn't because you've neglected the gift of leadership that he's given you? What if, what if he wants to save your neighbor or your friend or your coworker, 
but he hasn't because he wants to do it through you. And you've been quenching the Spirit and neglecting the gifts that he's given you to do that. Friends, let us be a people who earnestly desire these gifts. Trusting in faith that the God of all things is going to do mighty things through us for His glory and for the good of others. He longs to produce these things in us and through us. Let's work to cultivate an intimate relationship with the Spirit and ask Him to manifest Himself through you so that others in your life might experience the glory and the grace of God. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads for a second. I want to give us just a minute this morning to just be quiet and still. No, no music, no talking, just stillness. A rare moment. I know that for some of us in this room, this, is, this has been a hard subject, a hard topic, a hard idea. But let me just ask you, are you willing to submit your life to the Word of God? Are you willing to pursue intimacy with the Spirit? I want to give you just a minute to ask the Spirit, to ask the Spirit of God to draw near to you, and manifest himself through you.